some of you were at our High Holy Day services and had the opportunity to listen as Yom Kippur afternoon to Frankie Carrillo, a young man who spent 20 years in prison for a, a crime that he did not commit, a murder that he did not commit, and uh, was exonerated and released uh, a year or so ago, um, and is now speaking out around the community about the, the reality of our criminal justice system, the flawed nature of our criminal justice system, and the opportunity that we have to at least prevent in California the execution of someone who might be innocent. Jewish tradition has, has always championed the idea that justice is a fundamental necessity for human life and society to flourish. The Torah commands us, tzedek, 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 justice, justice shall you pursue. And the rabbis comment on that, that it's repeated twice, justice, justice, so that we know that just as the ends must be just, so the means must be just as well. But unfortunately, we live in an imperfect world with imperfect justice and unfortunately consequences of our own criminal justice system that all too often result in innocent people going to prison for offenses that they didn't commit, as was so powerfully demonstrated by Frankie just a week or so ago. That stark reality of just how unjust our system can be, how easily the innocent can end up in prison, possibly executed, actually sent shivers down my spine when I first heard Frankie speak. Even if we have confidence that the vast, vast majority of those who are incarcerated belong there. Because one of the most fundamental of all Jewish values is the idea that every human being is made but Selim Elohim, bless you, in the image of God. The preciousness of every human life is is so undeniable that in Jewish tradition, in the Mishnah, it teaches us that destroying one human life is as if we destroyed the entire world. And saving one life is as if we saved the entire world. Holding the life of another human being in our own hands is without a question the ultimate spiritual responsibility. And that is why knowing that over 140 innocent and wrongfully convicted people have been released from prisons in recent years alone, I think should be enough to convince most people of the necessity to do whatever is in our power to protect the sanctity of both justice and eliminate the death penalty if it's in our power. Find other ways of punishing those who commit horrible crimes. Our commitment to these core Jewish beliefs will be tested next month 
as we respond to Proposition 34 on the ballot, which would replace California's death penalty with life in prison without parole and would, according to all the studies, save us $130 plus million plus a year. The way the proposition is written, it would devote $30 million per year for three years to help solve unsolved murders and rapes, violent crimes, and require those convicted of murder to devote prison earnings to pay restitution to the families of their victims. Religious leaders, civil rights advocates, human rights organizations, and others obviously for years have been calling for an end to the death penalty, which has been banned, frankly, in most democratic nations around the world. But now death penalty opponents have been joined by a, a chorus of rather unlikely allies, including victims' rights advocates and prison wardens and law enforcement officials. I had the privilege of hearing uh, Jeannie Woodford, who was the warden at San Quentin, and who now runs the state's largest anti-death penalty organization, speak. And what she said was so moving. She said most wardens at most prisons are against the death penalty. And she described uh, that uh, time that I heard her, she said, imagine what it's like for me as the warden. Get up in the morning one day, make breakfast for my family, say goodbye to my kids and my husband as I go off to work, and I'm going off to work to murder somebody at the request of the state. And all the people that work in my prison, all of the guards and the people involved in this, they all know they are about to put someone to death. And none of them can be certain that that person is actually guilty. And every one of those human beings, she said to that gathering that I was privileged to participate in, Every one of them is traumatized and needs counseling anytime there is a death sentence carried out. It's, they all suffer from post-traumatic stress, knowing that they were a part of putting someone to death and having that responsibility on their hands, not in the hands of the person who convicted them, not on the hands of the rest of the state of California, but those people who literally have their job to show up at work and have to do the things that are necessary to put a person to death. Well, even LA former District Attorney Gil Garcetti is one of the leaders of Proposition 34 campaign. He's going around speaking, and Don Heller, who wrote the original ballot initiative reinstating the death penalty in 1978, now says that he believes doing so was a terrible mistake. These leaders cite what I'm citing, that is, the risk of executing the innocent, and not only that, the fact that the death penalty is used predominantly against the poor and people of color. And what goes counter to our in intuitive sense of what must be so, most people would argue that it must cost us a lot more to imprison someone for life than it does to, to execute them. But the fact of our system of, in California is exactly the opposite. It's a much higher cost. The trials, the special prison housing, the constitutionally required appeals, extra security and administrative costs literally are $130 plus million a year more than we would have to spend if we eliminated the death penalty. Far more expensive than permanent incarceration. 
And then there's what happens to the families of victims. The situation currently is someone is convicted of and uh, sentenced to execution. They go on death row and they are entitled to appeals. And at every appeal, the families of victims are dragged through that process all over again, have to relive the experience over and over again. And as most people that are convicted of murder in this state die in prison already and not by execution because of the length of all of their stay and, and the process. That means that all of these people who are waiting for the end result, the justice that they thought they got, never get it. The fact of the matter is there would be much quicker justice if Proposition 34 goes through because people convicted will have life in prison without the possibility of parole and it will happen the day after the day of their conviction. Um, and so even victims are standing in favor and families of victims standing in favor of Proposition 34. As responsible citizens, I believe, and as Jews responsive to the ethical insights that have shaped our tradition, there are compelling reasons that I think we should support it as well. Yes, people can point to the Torah and say, doesn't it say in the Torah, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life, doesn't it say, it says if a man strikes another man and he dies, that person should be put to death without question. The Torah says that. But the rabbis of the Talmud were so much against capital punishment that they virtually wrote it out of existence. The Talmud, the rules for what it takes to convict someone of a capital crime, because in the Torah there are capital crimes like breaking the Shabbat. If you pick up sticks on the Sabbath, you can be convicted of a capital offense in the Torah, which obviously we don't do, and none of us would suggest that we do. Adultery is a capital offense in, uh, imagine, if we had that uh, in the state of California. Um, but what the rabbis did instead, I'm not going to go there, but what the rabbis did instead was they passed rules that said you need multiple witnesses, eyewitnesses to any murder. And those witnesses have to warn the person in advance that this is the consequence if you kill somebody and that person has to acknowledge that they know those are the consequences and they do it anyway. I mean, the possibility of that is so ridiculous that the, the rabbis clearly uh, intended that we not carry out capital punishment at all. Plus, it's not the kind of thing that you can do tshuva about and say, oops, I'm sorry. There is no amount of tshuva, of repentance that could ever undo a wrongful execution. And so that's why... In the Talmud, there's this following conversation that I thought I would share with you. A, it says that a high court that executes a person once in seven years is called a murderous court. And then Rabbi Eliezer ben Azariah in the Talmud re replied, no, I think once in 70 years would be a murderous court. And then Rabbis Tarfan and Akiva, two of the leading rabbis of all of the Talmud, said, if we were members of the Sanhedrin, no one would ever ever be put to death. Support for the death penalty was always a minority opinion. And even those rabbis could never envision the cruel and tragic system of state killing that we have today. It's a patchwork system. Struggles to find attorneys competent to defend death cases, costs all of the money that I've already mentioned, 
and to me is, represents a tremendous injustice, even though it was intended to be a system of justice. I think the rabbis of the Talmud had the wisdom to recognize that holding life and death in the palm of our hands is a responsibility that frankly none of us want. Better that we incarcerate people for life, uh, which ultimately carries out that sentence anyway, if they spend the rest of their life and end their life in prison. The instinct of our early Jewish leaders seems wiser today even than when they had them, and I think is a powerful lesson. There's a reason that every major Jewish denomination, including the Reconstructionist movement, every national body of the Reform movement, the Conservative movement, the Reconstructionist movement, have come out in favor of ending the death penalty across America or imposing a moratorium on state executions throughout the country. And this November, we have a chance and we have a choice to make a difference as well. And so this one rabbi's opinion is that we should take it and that it is an opportunity to stand up for justice and stand up for compassion and prevent ourselves from doing something that we can never take back. Um, there's some information that I've asked to be outside about uh, Proposition 34, that if anyone's interested, they can uh, take after, after the service is over. And I appreciate your willingness to, uh, to listen to what I have to say on this Shabbat. <clears throat>